Okay. Sorry, I'm like trying to skim my notes and I'm like panicking because I'm not skimming them fast enough. So then I'm skimming them even slower. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the struggle, though. (laughs) I know. It sucks. Ah. Hey, pals. Hey, buddies. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Hybel study. study. The only time where the terms God and stoned actually lead to a good time. If you haven't listened before, awesome. We are a couple of former Christians. And what we like to do here is hash out what more realistically could be happening in these Bible stories. And ultimately what these characters might have been experiencing while living through all of this. Because we still know that there are great spiritual takeaways in this big book. But those have been muddled in way too much dogma for 2,000 years now. So, feel free to get your Bibles out, follow along. Or like in church, just listen and take our word as fact. Her name's Mary, my name's Justin. Now that that's out of the way, what you having today? I have this lovely strain called Candyland. It is quite delicious. It makes me very happy. However, sometimes it gives me real bad anxiety, so if you're prone to anxiety... Maybe steer clear unless, you know, you're well with that. Just know your risks. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also makes it very hard to focus. So I'm sorry in advance. <laughs> I'm having the Boombo Gelato again. Ooh. How, how do you say that not sounding weird? Moonbo Gelato. Moonbo Gelato. Well, that sounds even weirder. Yeah. I know it does. There's no good way to say it. Mm-hmm. That's why they named it that. Moonbow Gelato. They were like, we need this cross. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this really does the trick with the anxiety and everything, too. And it's very easy to get too high on this one. Oh, And then fun. he's just sitting there, and then he's like, you know, I am 10 levels too deep into whatever this thought I was having was, and none of this really matters. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. For this one, it's like, oh, man. It's like, I think I'm fine. And then all of my deepest anxieties and fears and concerns, all that paranoia just like ploops out of me. It just ploops right to front center of brain. I get that. Yeah, dude. Sweet. We got that rolled up nicely. That means it's time we refer to the Bible. Our current study follows a possible chronological order of Jesus's ministry throughout the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is episode number... 28! (laughs) Now let's start this by remembering what happened last time. In episode 27, Lazarus. Lazarus. Or Lazzy. That's fine too. There's just a lot with him. I guess there was only one bit, but it was a big bit. Yeah? What what was so much a lot about it? Um, this is... (laughs) They were resurrecting him. By they, I mean Jesus. And, uh... Mary and Martha both had their own... They took turns being with the other grieving people who were trying to, like, be there for them. Which, I feel that. I probably talked about that last episode. But, like, when you're grieving somebody, there's almost like this... You feel like you have to let people be there for you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some people you should have there for you. But some people it's like, I I don't need all of this support, but I appreciate it. We're not very close, but like, thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, there were some lepers that he um that he he healed, kind of. Oh yeah, there were like ten of them, and he got salt. There was a lot of sass from Jesus. There's always a lot of sass from Jesus, but like, him was sassy last episode. He was sassy. I always think he's sassy when he's talking. Maybe it's just because I because I have in my in my notes like, did I stutter? <laughs> <laughs> That could do it. Maybe it's just me projecting sass onto Jesus. I think I do that a lot, too. He is sassy, but I think I project some. (laughs) Anyways, Mm -hmm. that was last episode. Now this episode. Okay, so then we have four parts. Were there any of them that you specifically wanted to, like, lead? I always want to do the widow ones. I figured. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. First up, we have Luke 18, 1 through 14. And we're talking about widows for the umpteenth time. So this is the persistent widow parable. For this parable, 
I'm not actually sure who Jesus is addressing here. It just said that he was telling them a parable. So I don't know if this was a group of people who were following him from one city to another, or if it was his disciples or what. I don't know. But he's talking to a group of people. He is telling them about this judge who is an unrighteous man. He is... Oh, what was the other phrasing that the like the actual Bible used? I don't know what yours did. My version, like they described him as a man which feared not God, neither regarded man. Yes, that's it. That's it. Thank you. (laughs) So this man was a judge and there was a widow who also was in this city. Doesn't say how her husband died, but I'm assuming it was something through injustice because she went to this judge every single day and asked for justice on, uh, you know, for her husband's death. And, uh, you know, he had refused her every single day. I mean, I do think it's interesting they don't actually, like, go into in this section at all what what the outcome should have been. Oh, mine had similarly kind of yeah. like, avenge me. And it's, that does make it sound like something went wrong. Her husband was in the government or the army or something, like, take care of me. Like, yeah, that's possible. But also in their laws, too, they were supposed to take oh. care of the widows. And so... So, I mean, avenge me. Like, that was just phrasing. That makes a lot of sense. I didn't even consider that. And I feel kind of silly for not considering that because that that was a big part of culture then, taking care of the widows. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly it's stated so much throughout Mm -hmm. the Bible, which was written in this time. So it's like, of course it was a big deal. That's interesting because I, Mm -hmm. yeah, that is very much how my mind went. I was like... Maybe he was military, government, something. He died on the job, (laughs) you know? Something happened. Mm -hmm. But that makes a lot of sense. Just, I'm widowed. Why am I not being taken care of? But one day, he had thought to himself after, I neither fear God nor respect man. So he's having this whole internal monologue of like, like, I don't give a shit about this person, really. I don't care about her dilemma. Oh no, her husband died, so what? It doesn't affect me. He's at this mm-hmm. point, though, where he's like, this woman won't leave me the fuck alone. So, <laughs> I'm gonna do something about it. Just give her what she wants so she'll just leave me alone. So he goes into, uh, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him every day and night? Will he delay long over them? I will tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So that was confusing me a lot because I I think it was like the timing was confusing me because he's talking about how like an unrighteous judge, an unjust judge is going to be delayed in making this decision. So like there's this whole delay aspect, but then there's this whole pray and like he, he will give justice to them speedily. And I'm like, okay, so there's a delay, but we're also saying that God's just going to put this on their heart speedily. But that's also, like, not real. That is just not realistic. And that's what was wigging me out. Because, like, to say that, like, he'll just put the right thing on on this person's heart whenever it's needed, that's what it was feeling like rather than, Mm -hmm. like... And I think I've actually heard that in a message before. Like, in a sermon. Yeah. Like, this this sounds familiar. I guess the reason I don't like that is because that's taking an optimistic perspective, but it, it's not a healthy mm-hmm. optimistic outlook. It is saying, like, if you just have faith, <laughs> okay, I get it. The whole religion is this. Joke's on me. Haha, <laughs> whole epiphany. Okay, I see. I see. <laughs> Sorry, I needed to say it out loud. if you just have faith it'll all work out Mm -hmm. but that's not real sometimes it does but sometimes it just doesn't and that is also okay you know like it is Mm -hmm. fucking okay and that's part of life if we don't have the things that don't work out then the things that do work out are meaningless they don't mean shit I've gone over this so many times on this podcast, I feel, because (laughs) fuck, it's so real. It's so real. I wish people understood it, but I can't break the glass for them. (laughs) Fuck. Sorry. Ranting. His whole point was you're going to be in these places 
where you have these elects who aren't going to respect you. They're not going to do the right thing. And even if the Bible is specifically saying, like, God's will, ultimately what this means is there are going to be people in power above you who are not going to do the right thing. And the way to deal with that is be persistent in the truth. That is totally, like, that is 100% the message I got from this. And it just is both infuriating and laughable because it's like the people who get so mad about talking about the Black Lives Matter. I don't even want to say movement because it's not a movement. That's just what it is. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, But people who get so mad about seeing Black Lives Matter everywhere or seeing the LGBTQ plus community everywhere and allies like they get so angry about it and i'm like why are you angry we're literally (laughs) just trying to say you know these people also fucking matter and are equal we're all equal that's all we all deserve the same things that's all and they're like nope you need to stop saying that stuff that's wrong y'all are wrong 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 and our elected officials know what's best because god puts them in that place for that reason this is my argument against everyone who says that my parents (laughs) sunday school teachers all of it i've heard so many people use that argument that god appoints the people that we need if that's the case then why is this parable in the bible oh i was gonna say if that's the case then it was gonna be because we need to learn a lesson yeah There's that too. There's that too. But this specifically is about the ones who won't because there will be those ones who won't. I felt like there was a lot going into how unjust the judge was. But then the resolution, what this whole parable is about, is about the fact that the widow kept going back. They don't go into why what he was doing is so wrong. I was expecting it to and it just never was. So I kept feeling like I wasn't getting the full understanding so if you have any insight in this by all means <laughs> mine, um mine only uses unjust once oh the bible notes they kind of push that idea like that this was an unrighteous man and going up and using he doesn't fear god or respect men or whatever this is this is a bad man kind of thing it only used unjust once and it was in verse six and it's like you know hear what the unjust judge saith because he's giving this example to the people and they're all mad already because it's like why is he putting it off so it's like yeah hear what this unjust guy says because he wasn't really calling it that before but then he he ties it back it's like well and shall not god avenge his own elect which cry day and night unto him though he bear long with them he's asking them all something that they should all know already about god that he will bear long with them like it's always shown that the, his people have to cry day and night unto him for anything to happen. Yeah, that's pretty fucked up. <laughs> that's pretty nasty. Like, yeah, but it's what they know from their history. But why? Uh, have, I mean, anything in the Old Testament. <laughs> and that's the problem. Because this God expects yeah, that. I know. And that's disgusting. But he's try- I, just trying to like... This God, the universe, is not going to work any differently than this other judge. Like, he will, but only on, like, after the persistence. There. So, I'm taking this to modern times now. You ready? Okay. This is very relevant in the U.S. political climate. If you've been watching politics for forever, <laughs> but... I'm particularly honing in on the last three years here. There was definitely a shift in 2020. I mean, there was a bigger, like, there was a big shift in 2016, but there was a big, big shift in 2020 in our politics, and we have become more divided than we've ever been. I mean, that's probably bullshit, but it's the most divided we've been in a long, long, long time, at least. Our country's Mm -hmm. always been divided, and that's how we function, is by the higher-ups keeping us divided. But here's what gets me. Here's what gets me. We've seen so much of a lot of the more, like, the leftists and progressive side of things, um, and even moderates. Like, the, the center of the road moderates are getting involved on these things, too. But, like, protests and 
and awareness, just having events to bring awareness to problems that we're having in our government and in our society. It is what's happening in this story. It is that persistence and continuing on. Like, I remember in 2020 Mm -hmm. when everything happened with George Floyd and Black Lives Matter, like, blew up. It became huge. Obviously, it's been around since longer than that. But that's when it became huge. And I I remember hearing people all over in in the media saying, like, this is a phase. Like, you guys aren't going to care in two months. This is, you know, get over yourselves. But, like, it's 2023. It's March 2023 right now. And we are still seeing... We're still seeing it everywhere. It is everywhere because it fucking matters because it's important. And our elected officials are not respect. They they don't respect God nor man. <laughs> there we go. That's my thing. That's the thing. So next up, we have another parable. This is going to be Luke 18, 9 to 14. So it's still the same section, but second half. Just as a recap, because I talked so long. (laughs) So this is the Pharisee and the tax collector parable. And I find this one interesting. It's also, I think it's got a good lesson too. So basically, there's a Pharisee and a tax collector walk into a temple. And I'm going to stop right there because I just need to acknowledge how great of a joke setup that is. So if you're listening, (laughs) head to our Reddit. Give us your best joke with that setup. But a Pharisee and a tax collector walk into a temple, and the Pharisee goes in, and he's thanking God for not being like those around him, basically. If you've seen Schitt's Creek, it very much gives me kind of Moira energy when she's first coming into the town. Just very much like, these people are beneath me. They are so far beneath me. I'm so glad I'm not them. (laughs) Yeah, so that's how he's acting. He's just like, thank you, God, for not making me them. And then this tax collector comes in and he's just beating his chest and he's crying and begging for mercy as a sinner because he knows that he's sinned and he knows he's not perfect and that he's fucked up and he's just as bad as anyone else. What Jesus is getting at with this parable is like, stop looking at the people beneath you. Stop worrying about the people beneath you. I'm I'm saying this with like quotes. Then nobody's fucking beneath anybody. Like... <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're just fucking people. <laughs> He's saying, yeah, don't don't worry about the people around you. Focus on your heart, because when you get into this judging other people, you can't work on yourself and nobody's perfect. So that means we all need to be working on ourselves all the time. And that goes into a, a million other parables in the Bible, mm-hmm. throughout the Bible, metaphors, all the things like don't I can't ever I can't ever remember the correct verbiage for the parable but something about judging your brother and pulling a plank from your own eye (laughs) yeah a speck in somebody else's eye and yeah i think that's a good enough way to describe it you know (laughs) yeah it's good it's like that so don't be the pharisee which fyi there's a bunch of fucking pharisees walking around so don't be like the pharisees be like the tax collector (laughs) Which is weird to say, but be like the tax collector. Yeah, like you said, the, the Pharisee's whole thing was just like a, a put down of him. Absolutely. His whole prayer is his inward thing of, oh, I need to, like, looking inward and talking to God is, thank God I'm not that. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? What the <laughs> fuck? That's how. Who? Who? Hold on. <laughs> yes. That was so relevant in my upbringing (laughs) um that is what like doing good was that's what that meant really i was very indirectly taught like the way you feel good about yourself and you do good by god is you find sad little people who have less than you the poor and the needy (laughs) the unfortunate and you pity them That's what I was taught. Like, not actually helping them, but pitying them. And it's so bizarre to me now. Oh, pitying wasn't supposed to then lead to helping? Like, No, that was was helping. Oh, okay. Well, okay, I'm using pitying kind of broadly here. Because, yeah, I guess I mean, like, both in conversation, but also, like, just kind of inserting themselves. Like, 
Oh my god, for example, like I had I had someone in in my life who um after my husband passed, they brought me a bunch of frozen dinners and it like that they had prepared. And it was very very sweet of them. They didn't ask me prior to this, so they showed up at my house with so much food, I didn't have space for it. And it was really sweet of them to think of me, but at the same time, that was their act to say that they helped and they didn't speak to me much after that. And so it was like, this wasn't for me. This is because you feel sorry mm-hmm. and this will make you feel better about my situation. It will make you feel comfortable about my uncomfortable situation. It was very strange because it was broadcasted everywhere that they were doing mm-hmm. this for me by them. <laughs> yeah. That is... So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that that's what I guess I mean I and I'm getting at when I'm saying mm-hmm. like pitying people is the helping act because it's all like, oh, this mm-hmm. poor sorry person, they're going through all of this and I'm doing this to help them. Yeah. But then is the, the help also just getting the publicity so that others could help too? You're doing your part and spreading it. That would imply that they are in good crowds and circles that would actually help anybody who helped me after that had already been helping me prior or been in constant communication so i would still consider mm-hmm. that helping because emotional support is helping <laughs> but like yeah no that didn't bring anybody new in it was very much for their church friends and family that we don't talk to so i, I kind of want to tie this back then to like the the last thing he said in the first half of like the nevertheless when the son of man cometh shall he oh, find yeah, faith yeah, on yeah. the earth kind For of thing because sure. i'm sure this wasn't just an example but a common perception of the pharisees oh yeah by the commoners so it's like here is a problem it is not being dealt with like we know from from the history what we've had to do to actually fix something to make a change in something like we are all going to need to be persistent and continue on for right. God to take any effect. And his little question at the end is more of a like a societal comment that he's not seeing this kind of faith where everyone's got to be like, well, we need yes. to all do this. Yes, straight up. I agree. I'm, I forgot to mention all that. I was going to go into that specific question, <laughs> and I'm so glad you brought cool. it up. I, again, I think that's really relevant to today because it's been 2,000 years. It's been 2,000 years and we're still in this spot. <laughs> but guess what? It's not about God. It's about coming together as humanity and giving enough of a shit about each other to help each other survive. And instead, we're fucking tearing each other down and killing each other. Okay. Not only has it been 2,000 years now, but I mean, like, Jesus was saying, like, it's been 2,000 years. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, exactly. That's exactly it. So it's like, if he was saying this then, it's like, we've made zero (laughs) progress. We've made zero progress in that (laughs) aspect as, as a, like, the human race. Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God. Sorry. That just blows my mind. Because you are totally right. That is what he's saying. That is like a societal statement that is not like, I don't know. That that is a societal thing. He's like, this is what's happening. So it's like, again, like seeing this outside of a religious perspective, because I find there are there are so many good values and lessons to be learned through this. I mean, through the Bible, <laughs> without it having to be a religious thing. Like, absolutely, that you don't want to be the Pharisee because it's not about it's not about being humble to God and and begging for mercy to God. It's all about like acknowledging, man, I am flawed. I'm not perfect. I have shit wrong with me. And who am I to judge other people for that? I need to be working on myself and continuing to like acknowledge those things and work on those things. Like that is really what the lesson is here. It has nothing to do with begging for mercy. It has nothing to do with eternal damnation or eternal paradise or prayer it is everything to do with your internal i guess your self-reflection 
I think that's a great way to sum it up is self-reflection. So that's the, yeah, St. Mary abridged version. (laughs) That's the, yeah. That's the, yeah. The St. Mary abridged version. (laughs) So then you're ready for the the next section? Yeah. The, The next one is Matt, 19, 1 to 12, and Mark, 10, 1 to 12. They're they're telling the same story, but Mark yeah. leaves out some details like normal. And, He's a Chad. Yeah. He leaves out the details that aren't super fucking awesome. <laughs> okay, so now this is a time where it's like, okay, maybe this is fitting back into the order because he's going back to wherever he was hiding before after dealing with Lazarus. But he does have more of a crowd with him this time, including a bunch of Pharisees. Oh, boy. So then these Pharisees that were there, they get up to Jesus because they want to, of <laughs> course, get him in trouble. They're like, hey, is it lawful to put away one's wife? It, and Mine literally just used divorce. Mine will use divorce in another part. Wait, what verse, what verse uh, are you in right now? This is just verse three. Okay. Because I think that's just a common mistranslation between it. Because putting away your wife isn't divorcing because that's just some guy getting tired of dealing with her and just like i'm just gonna separate myself from the situation you you just separate okay that's not how my brain went with that that makes more sense i'm thinking like put her away like jail lock her up get her out of (laughs) here nope you just put her in a closet you're done with her just put her in a closet maybe you can bring her back out if if you get the need. Like a fucking broom in a broom closet. Just put her away with the, the other cleaning stuff. I mean, kinda. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, I'm done. And Jesus' answer to that was, again, wasn't an answer of like, yes or no. He's like, he he gives his views on j- marriage. Yes. Yeah. And he's like, it's, it's good because, you know, that's why... We there was male and female at the beginning. That way, uh, a man could leave his family and join up with a woman and become one flesh. One flesh. I hate that verbiage so much because, like, <laughs> yeah, I get an image uh-huh. in my head, and it's probably not the same as what other people get, and it's just disturbing. I I picture like two people just merging into one body, and it's just this like contorted discombobulated mess this thing is a fleshy abomination i was gonna say the greeks thought that too anyways that's why i hate that verbiage please continue (laughs) yeah and he's like what god has put together let not man uh, put asunder so i mean this has constantly been used as just like oh look at what jesus said like you should never get divorced it is unlawful so beyond all you know any of those kinds of things you've ever heard some pastor say at some point, like, you know, right off the bat, yeah, like, Jesus is saying, like, yeah, marriage can be, be a beautiful thing that that man, just, just man in general, shouldn't be controlling any aspect of, not just this divorce thing, not just getting rid of it. So then is it really, like, marriage? Because he's also is not saying marriage. Hmm. Or is it just like love just the general like love is like it should be but you know a lot of arranged marriages and lots of things like that but like should be the reason someone would leave their parents to partner and become one with another like that's that's technically true yeah throughout all of the animal kingdom just different lines of evolution like the kind of love that a creature Mm -hmm. can experience but like we, we as humans can we we have like access to more of it totally just yeah through how we've evolved um, yeah because our brains have these different communication skills like because that that is like probably an aspect of to why we have evolved the way we have because we have more of those communication patterns and well not patterns skills and abilities than a lot of other animals okay so then jesus says his his bit and the fairies sees here out of that is, you know, uh, divorce is bad. So they're like, well, then why did Moses allow it? He's like, because you're dicks and he suffered you. Oh, my God. Because he's, because 
again, they're just looking past on whatever idea he's trying to get across and just finding yeah. what they think he said. Straight up. Yeah. I mean, that's what Pharisees today do, too. They just pick and choose, well, and, then why does yeah. this say this? Mm-hmm. Well, because you're taking it out of context. <laughs> uh, and then we get into the stuff that's usually used for, like, reasoning about, like, you can't get divorced because, like, well, if you put away your wife, you're going to be committing mm-hmm. adultery if you should marry again. And, you know, that's forcing the the wife then, if she gets married, to be an adulterer as well. And then everybody in this whole quartet or however many other wives they've got going on too is just a, just a mess of adultery. First off, that just sounds like another just like technicality bash at Pharisees based on their own laws because several of them probably had many put-away wives and married some other ones as well without ever dealing with the situation. Damn straight. Also, complete side note, um, it is really funny hearing quartet used not in reference to barbershop. I'm so in, <laughs> I'm so in, like, into this community that I can't hear quartet and not think about it. Mm, well, maybe they were all just getting together and singing. Maybe. What do you mean sex? We're just singing. We're just singing. It's fine. <laughs> no sexual immorality here. So we, we just have that whole idea of like, okay, you know, the technically law, but like, Going more into that still, though, if you're just putting away the issue, not really dealing with it with this, like, Moses's law of divorcement, even not even taking advantage of that or whatever, trying to add closure to this, then the adultery, it's just, you're just passing the trauma around. Oh, straight up. It's not, that is just what the adultery is in that. So like yeah. he says all this, but then he gives like a little a little loophole, it sounds like, like, you know, mine was like, except it be for fornication, which in every yeah. other version becomes the sexual immorality. Yeah, straight up. Okay, I have been told my entire life, the Bible says the only reason you can get divorced is if your partner cheats on you. That is not what this says. Mm. There is so much more to sexual immorality than cheating i mean shit like sexual assault against your partner that's sexual immorality fuck there's so many things like (laughs) there's so many things that fall just under that umbrella i just said right there like Mm -hmm. there's just so much to it i mean like even just specific interests like if you're not doing it right and especially like two thousand years ago you think they had the fucking psychology to know how certain things affect you and how to go about things safely like we do now, mm-hmm. they fucking didn't. They just, you know, there wasn't that kind of education. There was no, I mean, there wasn't even the thought of the need for that kind of education. So it's like, if you have some kind of crazy kink back then, I say crazy, let me let me rephrase that. <laughs> just intense. You know, <laughs> there are some kinks that are just more intense. And if you don't know how to go about them safely... Or if you don't know that you need to go about them safely, you just know that these are your urges. That's what's happening back then. That could have been also sexual immorality. Like, Mm -hmm. there's so many things (laughs) under sexual immorality than just cheating. So it's like the whole idea that it's taught like women cannot leave their sexually abusive husbands because they haven't Mm -hmm. cheated. That makes me so angry because I'm like, this literally right here... I don't agree, like, I don't follow this as law. I don't follow this book as law, but for people who do... Like, word for word, yeah, like, this straight. is oh, great. You don't fucking have to wait yeah. for him to cheat on you, stop being abused, and leave his ass. Fuck. <laughs> Just throwing that out there, because mm-hmm. this was so huge to me reading this, because, <laughs> um, I mean, my, my parents got divorced when I was two for that reason, and that was my mom's biggest thing, was... The Bible condones divorce only if you are being cheated on. And and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. but you were being sexually abused for decades. Like, what about all of that? Why is that condoned? And now I see it's not. You were just taught that it wasn't and didn't actually look at it yourself. Fuck. I think that's like a good, like, fresh way yeah. to, to, like, look at it. Because, I mean, you know, sexual immorality was just, you know, sex bad stuff that's what it Mm kind of changed into like this whole word here is kind of problematic 
Like, yeah. like mine was fornication. Like, and that's where you get like, oh, because that's that's bad. So then that turns into yeah. immorality and stuff like that. But like the general word there was just like for porn or prostitution, huh. just an activity that was legal at the time. Interesting. But you know that became a bad thing. Right. So then that's what came from there. Well, like another another little aspect put into this is like, have you heard of pleasure weddings? No. Um, I mean, they're called different <gasps> things in different parts of the world and stuff like that. Um, where, because in cultures, you know, you have to be married before you can have sex. Sometimes you can go and just get married for the night. Oh, I don't like that. I mean, it's just for a way for young adults to get around the law. Okay. Okay, I see. Fair enough. Respect. Yeah. And... So knowing that, this doesn't seem like a, oh, here's the only way you can get divorced. This is a, I'm going to stop you Pharisees before you ask me another stupid question. Like, you know, whoever puts away his wife, you know, unless it's just for this evening, whatever. It's like, yeah, you can, after five minutes, put her away, I guess, Pharisee, and then be done with her for the night because in the morning it's not going to matter. You don't have okay. to go through a divorce and do all that. Cultural. Moving on perspective man that'll really do it for you <laughs> i would not have considered that mostly because i didn't know what a pleasure wedding was <laughs> wow i mean there are still places around the world today that still do them and it was something common around where jesus damn was too. okay okay i see i see um yeah so then after all this his disciples so whether or not that's his crowd once the pharisees walk away in shame or his like his, in, his apostles in private later i don't really we don't get that They're like wow I, you know i guess marriage is bad we should just stick away from that and then jesus just kind of doubles down on it and it's just like it's it's a gift that not all are able to receive and it's not like in a sad way like but just that it's not for everyone or every time straight up yeah after they said that to me, it felt like they were exasperated. They were like, that's a lot. Like, so it just seems like it would be way easier to just not get married, you know, like you were saying. But he's like, mm -hmm. well, I mean, you can do that, but really only if you're a eunuch. And I had to look that up and understand fully what that means because it, like, it means celibate, but there's a lot of reasons for that. Mm -hmm. Um, like, if you're asexual, you don't want sex. Like, you're not trying to have sex. <laughs> I mean, that would be mm -hmm. a great example of that. I mean, those are the these are the eunuchs that were yeah. made so from their mother's Exactly. Womb. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, he's just acknowledging asexual people right now. And that's, that's awesome. That's some <laughs> solid validation from the Bible. So I don't want to hear shit on that ever again. But yeah, I just thought that was so interesting because I was like, from the womb, that's, I mean, that is, you can't mm -hmm. deny that that means this is a person who's not interested in having sex. Like, that. that is what that means. That is just how they were born and how they have always been. Mm -hmm. Guess what? That's one of the alphabet mafias. It's one of our alphabet mafias. So take that. <laughs> Jesus acknowledges the our... The fucking existence right here right here these people mm. were born this way they were born this way yeah fucking born not a choice can be a choice but he's saying unless you're this okay. way don't fucking worry what? about it now now what about the ones made of men now the ones made of men are priests and nuns <laughs> Those kinds of things. <laughs> they wouldn't be the ones made Fuck for that. the kingdom of heaven's sake. I mean, those are priests and nuns. No. <laughs> Still, <laughs> we're saying the same thing. <laughs> oh, well, this is two different things that he's saying. Yeah, but I'm saying it applies both. Yeah. Yeah. It's the priests and nuns, but those are also the people who who are doing it for the kingdom's sake. Because it's both man-made and religious. Because the religion is man-made. Take that. <laughs> I think it's just like another an example of a gift because I mean these the eunuchs were still like a generally like respected thing. It's like okay, here's another gift like you could have, and some of it you just are born with it. Some of them men kind of made you who you are or whatever. You're doing it for mm -hmm. 
the crowd, you know, you're for, for yourself, doing it for some sort of inward thing to clear your thinking, mm-hmm. to have some self-control. Yeah, totally. And that's where the monks kind of come in. Mm-hmm. I would call that a spiritual reasoning rather than a religious reasoning. Mm-hmm. There are lots of different kinds of monks, but I feel ultimately at the end of the day, for monks, it comes down to spirituality. Blanket statement that because mm-hmm. I understand that's not always the case, but like they're process is very spiritual and it's very different than like a priest or a nun which is i i will say is still very spiritual i don't want to deny their spirituality just because their religion is different than my beliefs but it is definitely more for their religion they have the spirituality is a secondary rather than a primary that's how i see it because it's mm-hmm. the laws of their religion that are the core foundation for it rather than their own interpersonal feelings and being, I guess. Mm-hmm. So then you ready for the next thing? Yeah. For section three? Yeah. Yeah. All right. For the next section, we have Matt 19, 13 to 15, Mark 10, 13 to 16, and Luke 18, 15 to 17. What's happening here is like a bunch of kids were being brought to Jesus lots of children and the his disciples like were rebuking the people they weren't <laughs> they weren't letting them come to Jesus <laughs> he became angry at the disciples for rebuking the children coming up to him oh i got much displeased oh much displeased fair <laughs> enough but um yeah. yeah so he was not happy about that he was like don't don't hinder them from coming to me these are like children of God. They come from the kingdom. They are of the kingdom. And so he, he calls the children to him. And Luke even tells us, like, it's not just children. This is babies, too. Like, we have infants here as well. I was like, shit. Just all the littles. Just a bunch of toddlers running around. Holy shit. That's why he, That's why the disciples were like, nope, <laughs> absolutely not. We don't want to deal with this. And he's like, Exactly. I mean, that tracks from a bunch of, like, late-teen young adult males. <laughs> like, uh-huh. What are we supposed to do with it? <laughs> you know? The children are coming to him now, and he holds them in his arms, and he lays hands on them, and he blesses them. I mean, that was what they were looking for, but as he's doing this, or actually before, <laughs> verse 15, he he's saying, like, as he's upset at the disciples for not allowing the children to come to him that whoever doesn't receive the kingdom of heaven in the way that a child does they won't be able to enter so okay so here's here's where it's a little weird in my head because when you think of the mind of a child it's very sweet and naive if you don't come at this with the mind of a child if you don't come at this from with a naive point of view you won't be able to come into the kingdom of heaven so it's like man this just feels like the setup to prey on naive people (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's all it sounds like this is all you need to get people in a cult you just have to be naive and believe and have faith and bam that's all you need because like okay the cult that my family was in when my older siblings were younger that was literally the purpose of it to brainwash children mm-hmm. from the youngest age possible to believe all mm-hmm. of this shit. And I say this shit, ex- like, not just talking about the Bible, but I'm specifically their ideologies. Because if if you believe all of this is cold, hard truth from a young age, it's going to be harder to believe anything different because your brain has made those neural connections, mm-hmm. neural pathways, and it's crossed those pathways so many times at this point that they are very firm. So to come out of that belief that you've had your entire life is very difficult. And that's why, that's why they want children. Their brains are sponges mm-hmm. and they don't know shit. So they're going to believe what you say. That's where the naivety, naive, what do you say? Naivety? Naiveness, naivety. That feels gross. It all feels gross. That's why they want naive people. Yeah, like that whole idea of being naive. That was so troublesome and always pushed in church. And I feel kind of glossed over because to actually come at this 
with the naive perspective, you'd have to forget everything that you know about the subject, including everything that you have learned in church about it. Yeah, straight up. So that then straight I up. think then there's another aspect about children that kind of helps further it in a better way, and that's like... To be curious. If you're not going to accept the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven is the world around you. Kids are so curious and wanting to know why things work and will tell you when things don't make sense when they don't work. And if you're not going to do that as a child would, then it's you're never going to I'm sure that's what he make a difference. like was intending to come across as <laughs> ever. He didn't say any of that yeah. or anything about curiosity. But I mean, he doesn't say naive either. No, he doesn't. Okay. He doesn't. I I get that, but it's it is true to the religion itself and always has been that it preys on naive mm-hmm. people. It thrives on naive people and oof, it just grinds my gears a little bit. The whole like don't do not hinder them, like that it's even that like don't I mean, I see it as today, like, don't stop a kid from going to church or from doing all these things. Like, yeah. don't get in the way of this happening. Don't question it. <laughs> Just I think let that, it happen. Uh, but I think that hinder, like, don't hinder them was more of a situational thing because, like, all, all this was was, like, kind of Jesus allowing a little fan mm-hmm. meet and greet. Like, he's famous and people are bringing their babies for him to kiss. And They want all the Jesus blessings for the babies. Uh-huh. And I think at first, like, the initial excuses by the apostles were like, you know, like, oh, that's not going to do anything. This isn't real. You need to listen or or whatever. Like, but, you know, they just don't want to have to deal with all these yeah. kids. And Jesus is just like, oh, let him in. I can I can say hello. It's okay. He's like, it's it's fine. I will kiss the babies. Kiss the babies. Because, I mean, when that kid grows up and realizes that he was turned away from Jesus, then it's like, well, I'm not enough want to focus on whatever he had to say yeah he wouldn't even see me bullshits mm-hmm. not which could good also, which i mean that could technically then tie into you know not receiving as a kid not receiving later whatever yeah fair enough Ooh, but if that's the case it was jesus's fault <laughs> which is why he didn't and he doesn't yeah. want to be at fault <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> i think that's all i got on this section yeah, me too too so then the next one? Yes. Next section. The last one then is Matt 19, verse 16 to 30, Mark 10, 17 to 31, and Luke 18, 18 to 30. Wee. Like Matt and Mark started off as like some random guy is approaching Jesus to ask him a very important question. Luke lets us know that this guy is a ruler and when the man approaches him, he's like, good master he like he calls jesus this and jesus is just taken aback he's like hold up no one is is good except god and i am not on any other level than you <laughs> yeah yeah straight so up. already this is just like perfect example right there of just him denying the godhood yeah because he never calls himself the son of god other than the way everybody yeah. is and so he would probably hate how much he has been deified oh now. Oh my god. Oh, he would have big problems with how we do that. I mean, the Catholics literally have him hanging on the cross as an honor of him. Like that's pretty like that's pretty fucked up to be honest. You're honoring <laughs> him by toting around <laughs> his corpse on a cross, which is how he died. Like fuck. I don't walk around with my husband in a hospital bed ambulance, you know? Like, that wouldn't be respectful to him. That was the worst time of his life. <laughs> why would he Why would he want to be remembered by that? No, fuck that. Well, because th- that, that blood offering was what finally saved everyone. <laughs> so why not a blood drop? What if it was just a blood drop? It would be so symbolic and simple like other <laughs> religions. <laughs> Uh, there's so many I, I, other ways to go about that without it being his literal corpse I, on the cross. Like, Because you're just remembering what they did for you, which that is a big basis of it is just like, remember what for you, not like, yeah. just remember what he did. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
I hate when people in power don't understand death and grief. Sorry. Oh, that's where it brought me. But he asks him a question that Jesus gets asked a lot, like, how do I get eternal life? He tells him the same laws about, uh, yeah, no adultery, no kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud, not honor thy father and mother. The Ten Commandments. Not but even not the Ten really. Commandments. Six of the Ten Commandments. Yeah. <laughs> but Matt's the only one that also adds in the, the extra one about loving your neighbor as yourself, too. Yeah. All that stuff. Mark, it just feels like he just kind of cuts it. Luke, it, it felt more like then this ruler guy is cutting Jesus off. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done all this. But what do I need to do to still get this this eternal life? And Jesus is still going on. Like, it's not eternal life. It's emphasis. Yeah. <laughs> like, and so he's like, well, yeah, if you're perfect, I need you on my yeah. team. Come on. Just get rid of your stuff. <laughs> and then that's when the, the ruler walks away in shame. Bible's like, well, because he was just so rich and he didn't want to lose everything. But it's really just Jesus calling him out right there, too. Like, he's assuming he's already perfect in every way. And so he's like, he tells him about the, the, the camel through the eye of a needle. It's easier for that to happen than for a rich man to enter heaven. That's such an extreme example when you actually think about it. Like, and also kind of disheartening because he's saying like, it, it would be easier to fit a camel, this big humpy mammal through the eye of a needle. But that's just mm -hmm. so disheartening because, I mean, he's saying it's basically impossible, but it could happen. And that's sad because yeah. it's like that is something a lot of wealthy people have to deal with because they're told a lot of times you can't be of good intention and of good heart if you have money. And it's like, you know, there it gets to a point where, yes, that's true, but that's like billionaire level. We're not we're not talking about just billionaires. I mean, sure, they're included in this, but. But we're also not just talking about. Oh like money here too like with these riches it's like this man had set up all sorts of stuff to make sure that he mm -hmm. was taken care of at least that's a good point you're right like, it's not just money i made this all about money Ooh. i mean but that's what you go to with like oh it's a rich man you know you can't focus on money because don't worship the mammon mm -hmm. and all that stuff but like th this is a guy who had a lot of backup plans probably he was yeah. well prepared for the future and that preparedness really doesn't get you anywhere because you're just go you're never going to actually feel prepared enough when yeah. life's happening around Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Life's going to happen either way and you can never prepare for it fully. You never know what's going to happen. No, I feel that. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I made this all money and then material possessions. And I guess still that kind of is a little bit material possessions, but yeah. but you're totally no. like right on with like having those backup plans things like that those fail saves to make sure if something happens yes everything will be okay god way to call me out bible <laughs> that wasn't even the bible that was you way to call me out <laughs> oh, man <laughs> sorry no it's okay i needed to hear that but then the disciples then say like if not this man who can be saved because someone important approached him and they're like well, what happened here jesus like, so that at least, okay, he was a decent ruler. He seemed well-liked in a lot of people's eyes. Like, why couldn't he just yeah. get an answer out of you, Jesus, or something? And then he says thing about, with men, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Which, again, it's just like a common phrase and a common quote. But just, I think, like, that goes more with kind of that preparedness. You, you could do all you can on this earth with men like mm -hmm. but you'll never be prepared for anything because out in the universe anything is going to facts. happen facts facts just dead ass facts <laughs> <laughs> there was there was a little more then this is probably more later because peter's like going up and like hey we gave up everything what do we get out of this <laughs> he's like well you're gonna have a whole new city and all of this and so many more family members and there's there's a picture that you, you get that's it's placed with his second coming and the the new world like oh yeah well see after i die and do all this and come back and then you get to be rulers over 
all of these tribes. You're each going to get your one. That whole picture I described, like, that's what you get in church. But what I, from reading it, it's just Peter's like, we gave up, you know, our families, our homes and all this. What do we get out of it? Jesus isn't mentioning anything about the coming back. He's just saying, like, that's going to become your new family. And then you need to go and take care of them. Like, it's going to be your responsibility. Mm -hmm. You're going to take over in in guiding them. Yeah. And I kind of like that, though, too, because... I mean, yeah, that's a big responsibility he's putting on them. But, like, this really goes into chosen family Mm -hmm. and how chosen family can be more important than blood family. And it can be closer. I think that's important because everybody has to Mm -hmm. do what's right for them. And sometimes that means finding a new family. (laughs) Oh, my notes for this section were really silly. But for this one, uh, Jay says there's going to be some sick-ass thrones judging 12 tribes of israel so i have like this image in my head just you know floaty cloudy background area but still like a room it's just like a room made of clouds and they all have like these big ass thrones floating (laughs) not even even the city they're just they're just the way up you know and they have like (laughs) this little portal down below because they're all in like this big circle And so, like, there's this portal in the middle that they can just, like, look through. And they just sit there, like, with their remote, like, flipping channels between all the different 12 tribes. And and when, you know, like, each one has to, like, deal with their shit when theirs comes up. But, like, they're just up there like, guys, (laughs) guys, (laughs) what are you doing? That's the new world, right? Yeah. What? If, if it's gonna, why do they need to judge tribes in the new world if it's gonna be a new world of perfection free from persecution? Is it just scoring? I guess. Olympics. I don't know. Something to make them feel good. But yeah, it's uh, it's very silly. It makes me laugh. Maybe I shouldn't laugh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you have a favorite part? I kind of like how just the, the whole thing is just, just seeing how much he does for the crowd in all of this yeah. is kind of interesting. The biggest part is just his whole don't compare me to God. Yeah, I think that was a really, well, first of all, fascinating realization on your part. I don't feel I've ever heard somebody really talk about that aspect before. And I think that's really interesting. And it it has me wanting to kind of look into that a lot more now. Um, because that's also like, you're right. He like how would he respond to how we've deified him today? Like that's insane. Mm-hmm. He is a god. He's an egregore. He is his own god outside of being in the Trinity at this point. Like mm-hmm. that's insane. <laughs> yeah, at this point, and I think like then like I think this is still just a, I mean this is still just an example of him doing it for the crowd because like he hasn't been quite this picky when people just like coming up like he's like good master he's like it just he's really just trying to loudly get a point across so he just doesn't have to deal with it anymore yeah he's probably like this is the eighth guy who said this to me in 20 minutes (laughs) i must say this once and once only yeah hell yeah good choice did you have a favorite part i do have a favorite part okay (laughs) the whole first eight verses that we discussed today yeah. the the persistent widow parable and this time it's not even because it's a widow it actually has nothing to oh, do really? with that it's because i think it's so fucking relevant today pharisees need to wake the fuck up realize that they're fucking pharisees <laughs> <laughs> be mortified at that and then change it that's what needs to happen mm-hmm. not that i think it's going to but I just think that whole part was very relevant. Um, the people who are demonizing people looking for change, looking for basic human rights, they're demonizing these people. And it's, well, first of all, it's very sad. But secondly, it's just more evidence of how they are Pharisees because they have their own ideas and beliefs based on mistranslations and, and misteachings mm-hmm. for so fucking long decades over a century i don't know we're it's just surprising to me it shouldn't be surprising at this point but it's still surprising to me that it's like this is literally what the bible tells you to do when there's an injustice and instead of seeing the injustice they are 
using their they they've taken their holy text out of context and they've used it to demonize the people who are doing what their text also says to do uh, going as far as to try and put the death penalty to some of these things like that mm. is insane it is insane it blows my mind should not blow my mind but it does i keep expecting them to not be as horrible as they are and then they're like ba bam let's be horrible extra hard <laughs> Because we're Pharisees. That just got me thinking about more like, like, because because it's gone on for so long. Like it, it, it seems like it's kind of pointless to hope, but it is just kind of inevitable that eventually that'll be the next stage in evolution. Once we can all just be at the point easily of what Jesus mm-hmm. was trying to to teach. I completely agree. It's a hard pill to swallow because it's like. <clears throat> There are certain things that we as a species have to just get to, um, and it has to be a very strong majority to evolve, and that's how we've evolved, and you're absolutely right. Like In order to get to a place where we can see the changes needed, where they're needed, and take care of each other for real, not like not like what we're doing and saying that that's what we're doing. <laughs> That would definitely require a lot of cooperation and understanding and empathy for sure. And I think you're right. That would be our next, like, to get to that point would be like our next evolutionary milestone for sure. And I think like narratively, like that is, that would then be the second coming. Well, we are in the age of Aquarius. The last shift in all of that was literally when Jesus was walking the earth. That was the age of Pisces. And so now oh. we've shifted out of that into the age of Aquarius, which is the age of awakening. <laughs> Waking the fuck up. <laughs> so I'm curious to see how that's going to play out. Probably won't get to, you know, being. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I have no hope. And I mean, I, Jesus clearly had no hope in his time that it was going to change. But it's like, eventually it will. Yes. And that's why. It's so fucking important for me to talk about this stuff because even though I don't, I I don't see any universe where this happens in my lifetime, but like, even though I'm not going to see that, Mm -hmm. I want our future generations to see that. I want it to be easier for them to get there because right now it's easier for my Mm -hmm. generation to get there because I say my generation as Gen Z. Because millennials had a huge impact on that. And I, I know I'm barely technically a Gen Z, but like millennials still impacted that so much for us. And Gen, Z, Gen X impacted that for us so much by starting that awareness of healing um, and like generational healing and having that as a foundation versus pretending your trauma doesn't exist as a foundation that most millennials and Gen X grew up with. And, you know, of course, beyond having a different like having that shift in foundation is making it easier for us to improve and make a better world. And if we continue to do that, like you're saying, it's it's a progression and it's it's gonna get there, (laughs) you know, but it isn't something we'll see. And I want to see those generations have an easier time with that, be able to make those changes that right now are completely impossible i hope we make it that far (laughs) we're kind of destroying our planet so there's that (laughs) yeah it's true it'll be destroyed at some point anyhow we're are are we overdue for an (laughs) asteroid probably i mean we've gotten better about learning when they're getting close to us but shit i watched that movie on netflix with jennifer lawrence Mm -hmm. Does it have? Is that Jennifer Lawrence, Wait, or is which, it a different actress? I'm thinking. W- I don't which movie? Don't look up. Yeah. Okay. I think it is. I don't know. I think it is, but man, like, I guess shit like that could happen. But there's also, I mean, there shit like that would very likely happen if that was. That's how we would respond if that mm-hmm. was actually happening. That's why that movie was so scary to me, because <laughs> like that's how we would respond. It's not real. Don't look up. <laughs> Everything's fine. Bitch, you're fucking crazy. (laughs) I don't know if we need to say anything else. Ah, Okay. See ya, pals. Catch you later. Hey, buddies. Mary here. 
If today's episode sparked something for you or you have questions for us, send us an email at thehighpriestbiblestudy at gmail.com. You can stay up to date on new episodes and merch releases through Instagram or check us out on Facebook if that's more your style at The Hybel Study. That's at the H-I-G-H-B-L-E study. Check out our subreddit, r slash the high priest for references to some things that we've talked about in various episodes as well as some memes we also have a threadless shop shop.thehighpriest.show there's almost always new merch popping up there so be sure to check back regularly if you want to and can responsibly donate but have enough merch buy us a coffee buyusacoffee.com slash the h-i-g-h-b-l-e study you can donate once or you can choose to donate monthly Money donated helps us to improve the show and make it better for you as the listener. Or, if you want to just make it all that much more simple, all of these links are on our website, thehighpriest.show. Every link I've already mentioned, as well as some different platforms that you can listen to the show on. Rate us and leave us a review, we'd love to hear your feedback, and don't forget to subscribe so that you get notified of new episodes directly from the platform that you listen on. Besides, it's that much easier to share with your friends when it's at the top. Thanks again for listening. We appreciate you, and I'll catch you in the next episode.